Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Some of you might remember that when Marilyn was announcing the Homes of Hope trip, months past, right, months back, and she, she was announcing it in a way that was kind of like it was going to be our last trip. And of course, we were basing that on our age. <laughs> and uh, so we, we went, and I was, I was honestly kind of a little bit concerned about how my body would hold up doing that. And I was actually saying, thank you, Lord. I, 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 not only did I survive it, but my body kind of did okay. <laughs> and so having said that, Marilyn and I both believe we've got another year in us. <laughs> we are, Lord willing, planning on going back again next year, and I can hardly wait. I really truthfully mean that I can hardly wait to get back there and do another home and bless another family. And, and I really appreciated April sharing the story about how a house that had been built some years ago has become a church. You know, there, another thing that I want to mention is that there's an, another added benefit that we don't get to see right away that comes later for those families that we do build homes for is, is um, the, because their living condition is being upgraded drastically. If you were to see some of the places that they, that they are living in, it's an upgrade in an amazing kind of way. But what that means is, is as their living condition is being upgraded, it impacts their lives in every single way that you might could imagine. Children, security, emotionally, health-wise, spiritually. And, and so the Homes of Hope people, the YWAM folks who do the Homes of Hope ministry, track with these folks. They don't just build and then forget about them, but they stay connected and track with them. And they, they have time after time seen how the family has just increased in terms of emotionally, spiritually, the children educationally. It impacts every aspect of their lives just by getting a home that for us would be like the size of a shack or a, you know, not a shack, but a um, storage shed in our backyard they're 16 by 20, so not huge by any means. But to them, it's everything. And so um, I also want to say thank you for your support and your prayer and your generous support as well for helping all those who got to go. Bless you. Bless you. You were there with us. You really were in that sense. All right, we are in James chapter 1. We're going to pick it up at verse 19. This first chapter of James deals with what has been called by the theologians the theology of maturity. Verses 1 through 18, James presents one of the major means by which Christians grow and mature by enduring through trials. We just love that, right? One of our favorite things to talk about, <laughs> enduring through trials. But James presents that as a major means of growing and maturing, maturing in the faith. And he also talked about in those eight, first 18 verses the great hindrance to that maturity, and that is the problem of sin. Now James is ready to discuss a second major means by which Christians can become mature and grow even more, and it comes by hearing 
and doing the word of God. For James, this is the way that we can experience the blessings of God in our lives. God's word can and does, thankfully, rescue us from the power of sin. Can you say amen to that? When we become doers and not just hearers of his word. Now, to say that we struggle with impulsiveness <laughs> would be an understatement, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the folks who do the commercials on TV, they understand that. You know, you're watching that and all of a sudden, it's not some, something you never even thought of before, but all of a sudden you need that. <laughs> And you're on the online or you're calling their 800 number or, or there, there's those racks at the checkout counter, right? Got all that stuff that you did not initially go to the store to get. But there you are, ready to check out. And you, you see Breath Mints, a candy bar or a magazine that's talking about the latest failure in some celebrity's life, right? And they are counting on your impulsiveness to spend another dollar or two to improve their bottom line. We deal with it. But James offers us here in this second half of chapter one will help us not to be impulsive toward the things of this world, but rather follow a different impulse, the impulse of God's word that James says has been implanted in us. I love that idea, don't you? That another ter thought that our terminology would be injected into the veins that run through us, plant implanted in us God's word. Put perhaps a little more clearly, the goal of the Christian life is to get beyond, to go beyond living by impulse and learn how to live instead by God's principles. You on board with that? Okay, good. We all have impulses, as we've said, some we act on, but thankfully, there are many that we don't act on, right? <laughs> but the one impulse that we are most likely to indulge that James is going to be talking about here is the impulse to express inappropriate anger. It's a biggie. Now, I think there is actually an imaginative scenario that lies beneath this passage that unfortunately really isn't all that imaginative. It's, it's all too real and all too familiar to us. We have all known someone or maybe we have even been that someone at some point in our past where people seemingly considered to be good and righteous but ultimately, this person's true colors came out into the open. Somewhere along the way, they had gotten the idea they could indulge their sharp anger, could indulge their harsh words, could indulge just a little ungodly behavior and get away with it, that somehow it was okay. James reminds us that this isn't to be the case. This is not how you present Christianity at its best. And I am, I am praying, it is my hope, that for every single one of us in this room, that matters to you. That your life is not presenting Christianity at its worst, but at its best. Amen? And then James finishes up the chapter 
by telling us in verse 27 what constitutes pure and undefiled religion. That's how the King James Version puts it. And he indicates that there are some important principles that help us to get there, to living in that kind of way. He begins by telling his readers, by telling us to do something really very, very simple, something that every one of us can do. And if you've read ahead, <laughs> or if you're familiar with the book of James, here's point number one, talk less, listen more. <laughs> Talk less, listen more. Let's look at verse 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then here it is, and slow to become angry. Then he tells us why in verse 20. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Can you think of a better reason why? To be, to slow her down and to not just boom, let it all hang out <laughs> or let it fly out. In light of what James has talked about earlier, trials and, and temptations, he's, he's basically saying here, don't forget no matter what circumstance that God is good. And what's happening in you is going to ultimately work for your good. Therefore, don't be cynical. Don't be quick to complain about your situation. Instead, zip your lip. Open up the ears. Start listening. And you'll hear God's voice in your trial, in your temptation, encouraging you and providing the wisdom that you need in that moment. The objective here is to become more mature by keeping away from sin. And here James is referring to that which we don't think probably as that bad of a sin compared to some other sins, right? But it is. And he can, puts it in that category, sin is sin, putting off the old nature, receiving the implanted word. So what are the steps to accomplishing this? James simply says, listen more, talk less, and slow down when you feel anger coming on. I came across a story that was talking about some people who were on an online food forum. The topic was a recipe for Thai coconut ginger noodles. <laughs> As they were sharing their ideas and recipes, it wasn't long before these people started arguing about the best way to make Thai food. And then name calling began. Your meals must taste like trash, somebody said. It got worse. One person told another, your family probably hates you. <laughs> Don't be surprised if your husband leaves you for someone who can't cook. <laughs> Terrible. And on and on it went. There were a couple dozen heated and repeated exchanges. These people were really getting themselves all worked up over this. 
And it all began with the recipe for noodles. I think you would agree with me if this would be funny if it wasn't that it was so tragic. The bottom line is that most of the things we get worked up about in our own lives, right? You know where this is going, don't you? Are not really worth getting worked up about at all. And if we'll approach these things a little more slowly, with a little more consideration, we'll have time to think things through. And we're more likely to make better choices. And that's what James is saying here. And so we might could call this the slowdown principle. <laughs> Be deliberate in the way you say and, and, and how you pay attention to what you hear and process your emotional reactions carefully, might I add, prayerfully. Because if you fly off the handle and say or do something foolish, you won't make things right in God's sight. In fact, you'll sabotage the good you're wanting and trying to do with your life. Give yourself time to see and to think clearly. Slow down. How many of you have had to drive through a construction zone? You're saying, when haven't we, right? No matter where you go, they are there. But do you know what I'm talking about? As you're entering even a mile away, two miles away, they've already got signs being posted. Slow down. Construction zone. As you get closer, speed zones drop, and then you'll get to the area, and there's going to be a flag person there with a slow down sign or stop sign, and it, they're there. It's All those signs are there for a reason, right? Even those speed strips that they put out. Because if you don't slow down, there's going to be some serious consequences when you enter into that construction zone, correct? Yeah, it could be very, very bad, not only for you, but for someone else. And so I want us to think of when we enter into that time of we begin to feel emotions beginning to rise, see it as entering a construction zone. What's being worked on? You are. <laughs> Your character. Your integrity, your testimony, your making Christianity at look its best rather than the worst. Your Christian maturity and growth is being worked on. It's under construction at that point. Recognize that, church. Recognize it. The Christian life is lived by saying no to your sinful impulses and yes to godly principles. How does being slow to anger relate to the reception of the word? It relates in part in how the word is to function within the life of a believer. Anger rejects reproof, right? Peace that comes from God's word accepts it. Anger dismisses correction. Doesn't want anything to do it. Don't tell me. <laughs> Peace, however, embraces it. Do you see the difference between the immaturity and maturity being 
displayed there. And this will enable you to live out what James tells us in verse 21. Look at it with me. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. If you're wondering why you don't seem to be hearing God, why sermons have no effect, why Bible study is null and void, it could be because there has been no separation between you and sin. Separating ourselves from what James refers to as moral filth and evil. You want to know one of the benefits? It unclogs your ears so that you can hear the voice of God. This is what leads us to pure and undefiled religion. And then James takes us to another place where it also helps in this. He says, don't forget who you are in Christ. The person that God wants you to be. Look at verse 22 with me. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The standard for the Christian life is not set by others, correct? <laughs> we know that up here, but isn't it interesting how sometimes that sort of seeps in and we find ourselves measuring with others around us. It is not set by those around us. It's set by the example of the life of Jesus Christ and God's word, amen? If you judge yourself according to how you measure up to someone else, you're never going to have a clear idea of where you stand in the eyes of God. You just never will ever be able to know. If you're like most people, this is what is likely to happen. On certain days, you'll, you'll see others' faults and pat yourself on the back for not being like them. <laughs> and if you should somehow happen to see a fault in you, You'll say, yeah, well, maybe I do this, but at least I don't do that. <laughs> As if you're the one setting the curve for holiness. <laughs> then on other days, the exact opposite will occur. You'll be convinced that you are the worst sinner on the planet. You won't be able to see anything good about yourself, any progress, any growth. And you know who will be coming along and adding to that, right? This is the type of confusion that one faces when they measure themselves according to others. You just never know where you stand. Two images come to mind with James' example of looking into a mirror. And it's a really great analogy. The first is to approach a mirror with comb or brush in hand and take a look and, and then do the Fonzie thing, right? Hey, it's already perfect. 
don't need to do anything. The other image that comes to mind, which is the one that James really has in mind for us here, what he's warning us here about, is taking a look in the mirror and completely ignoring what the mirror is telling you. You see, so many times our tendency is to think that just because we're reading the word, we're obeying it. Or just because we've heard a sermon or read a book and we say, I like that, I agree with that, that somehow we are living that. Just because we've said that. You know what this is called? This is called deceiving ourselves. Especially if having seen what needs to be taken care of in the mirror of God's word, church, which is what James is talking about. This is the mirror. And when we look at that and it, it points something out in our lives and we completely ignore it, do nothing about it, we're deceiving ourselves, thinking that, hey, it's okay, and it's not. Reading the word with humility and then obeying it, church, is the best hearing aids that you could ever possibly have. Now notice the compelling point that James makes in verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James uses a strong word here. This term looks intently at the law of God, at the word of God. This is not, in other words, a casual look. It's looking deeply to hear what it speaks, how it directs, convicts, encourages, admonishes, exhorts, so that you can see as you are focused with your intent look into the mirror of God's word on what God wants you to see and then therefore who he wants you to become. James presents a process here. We could call this process the principle of replication. Here's why. You see, first, obedient people look intently into the perfect word of God that gives freedom. This describes someone who gives more than a passing glance, but looks intently with a desire to learn, a desire to embrace, and a desire to, to live it out, to apply. Second, obedient people continue to do what God says. They put God's word into practice and follow through with commitment. Thirdly, obedient listeners do, what for, do not forget what they hear. Spiritual amnesia never, ever takes over their minds. Fourth, obedient listeners do what God's message instructs them to do. It amazes me how I have known some who... And this is not just, you know, in all those who I know in, in, in Wellspring, East or West, but just it's, this is 
really worldwide kind of problem, I suppose. For those who have perhaps entered into Christianity and maybe they've been attending church for years upon years upon years, have heard sermon after sermon after sermon, been in Bible study after Bible study after Bible study, and somehow didn't quite connect the dots that, oh, I'm supposed to do this? I know that sounds like so simple and like that can't be, Dave. But folks, as simple as that is, it's amazing how often that occurs. Can I ask you a question? Are you the same person today that you were a year ago? Three years ago? What has your growth and maturity been? And this is what James presents for us here. When you reflect on something, you think about it, meditate on it, contemplate it. Why? All for the reason to replicate it, to do it. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, here again, deceive themselves. And their religion is, what's he say? Worthless. Worthless. I think we, for the most part, understand the difference between religion and relationship, right? We, we've got that down. We understand that. And that's exactly, I think, the contrast that James is making here. This first describes a person who considered themselves to be religious, but did not listen very well to God's word. The listening not very well being evidenced by not doing it. And so be reminded of that in your own life tonight, today, would you? Just because you're hearing it right now doesn't mean that you're doing it. This person focuses on the externals of religion and is concerned only with outward appearance in other words, this person may have an intellectual religion, but not much on the inside, in the heart, that would indicate relationship with Jesus. Information, but no transformation. James is re wanting us to know that this looking intently isn't looking intently at yourself. It's looking intently at the mirror of God's word that will reveal you. <laughs> That's what he's talking. Look intently at what God is saying, what he wants you to be. Reflect on that image so that you can replicate that image. It leads us to, once again, pure, in King James Version language, and undefiled religion. The next thing that James lays out for us here as he continues to bring home what it takes and the principles for living this way is to start looking out for and caring after others. He says that's, that's important here. You see, in verse 22, James exhorted us to not merely listen to the word, but to do what it says. And now here, he lays out for us what that actually looks like, what that means. Listen to his words in verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows 
in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Two evidences demonstrate pure, faultless religion. Deeds of compassion and then inner purity, a holy life. There is obviously more to true religion than what James is talking about. This is not intended to be exhaustive in any way, shape, or form. The emphasis here is that for God to accept our lives as a worship unto him, it must be accompanied by compassion, compassionate, loving ministry, and purity, a, a holy life. Both Christians and non-Christians as well could see and understand this type of evidence. It is an evidence that cannot be de denied when they see that in actual process. And in practice, generally in the days of the early church, the neediest people were the orphans and the widows. There was no such thing as life insurance. There was no such thing as welfare in those days. And if they didn't have family, then they were, they were, they were in a bad way. They were completely helpless. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to be more compassionate? And holy, then get your eyes off of yourself and identify the neediest people in your world, whoever that might be, and start being the hands and the feet of Jesus. This is, I believe, the connection between reaching out to those in distress and living a holy life because I think on the surface they seem like two separate ideas. But here's where we find them coming together. And I think this is what's going on in James's mind as he writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The connection. When you're taking time looking into helping others, you're going to be a whole lot less likely to find yourself living in a way that does not please your God. And I think that's the connection. And could it be that because of our inability to care, to be compassionate, to actually do something for those who are needy around us has been part of the problem for us in terms of our own struggles and habits and struggles with temptation and sin. That will keep us from being, as James says, polluted, corrupted by this world. What is meant by this world? You know, the world is the culture, the system that we are in that tells you material possessions will bring fulfillment. But all they do is blind us to the need of others. That your happiness should be your top priority. That gratification is an, a legitimate goal. That you have a right to seek revenge against your enemies. And that power, wealth, and prestige are the ultimate achievements. That's basically the world's thinking in a nutshell, isn't it? And some Christians, unfortunately, buy into it hook, line, and sinker. 
And unfortunately, some Christians do, some churches do as well. But James says, don't let the world corrupt you. Don't let it pollute your mind, your heart, your spirit, your life. We could call this the principle of impact. He's saying, in effect, that you should be impacting the world for Jesus, right? Rather than the world impacting you and taking you away from Jesus and displaying him. We are to be an influence in the world for the kingdom of our God. Now, this message began with talking about not yielding to our impulses, specifically the impulse of anger. I said the goal of the Christian life is to go beyond living by impulse, but instead living by the principles of God's word, that that would be the impulse with the implanted word within us. And this enables you to become a doer of the word, not just a hearer, right, but a doer, one who practices pure and faultless, undefiled religion, Christianity. That's what God wants for you and for me. This is... Christianity at its best. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was once asked about the enormous impact that his life had had back in his time. And you know what he said? He just simply said this. It is because Jesus Christ has all of me. Can you, can I say that same thing? God, you are the faithful one. And my prayer, and I hope I am joined with everyone in this room in this prayer, that you help us be your faithful people. To be your hands and your feet extended Extending the love that you have in spite of us, extended to us because of your grace. Help us to see what you see. Help us to hear what you speak and say and help us to do it, to obey it. Help us, Lord, to live out and display a Christianity at it's best. May we lay our lives down before you. May we allow you to become our king more than ever. Submitted, surrendered, devoted, committed to you, Lord, like never before. In these last days in which we live, come, Lord Jesus. May our hearts be set on fire for you. Help us to be not just hearers, but doers of your word. Implying and putting into practice these principles that we've talked about today, Lord. And making it all about you, no more about us. Loving you more. Allowing you to have all of us, Lord, and loving this world less so that the world has us less. This is our prayer. We pray it in Christ's name.
Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will listen.